morning, everybody. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming this morning. I want you to join, join us in praising the Lord. See the tomb where he laid. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. See his hands. See his feet. Touch his scars and believe. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive.
just a few things to share with you. We are at the beginning of a brand new year coming up very soon, yeah? This is a time of uh, renewal, a time of uh, self-reflection, a time of reflection of times that God has brought us through in the previous year. And so it is a special moment. It can be. It can be even a spirit-filled moment. And then we're hoping for that to be something that you experience throughout this service, specifically in the message that Pastor Terry is going to be bringing to us. Uh, In our time of prayer, I'm going to ask that the Lord would begin speaking to us even now before we even hear what he has to share with us. And then we have a a special benediction at the end where we're going to call on all of us to do something very special together. Okay, so I'm very excited for uh, for this morning. Just got a few things to share with you. Uh, we are still in holiday schedule, so we're not going to have connect groups after service today. Uh, we're also not, not going to have Wednesday night service uh, this coming. This is uh, this will be the last time that we're not going to have. Um, no, that was this past, this past uh, Wednesday. So we've already got the last two Wednesdays. We're not having service. We're coming back this Wednesday. This coming Wednesday will be our first time back. It didn't feel right when I was saying that. Uh, so the, this will be our last holiday schedule portion. So we're not going to have connect groups today. Uh, the women are going to do a Bible study called When You Pray. Highly encourage you to be a part of that. There's something about gathering together outside of this room that just builds the body up. And so take advantage of these moments. The book itself is only $25. It is the actual cost of the book itself. It, uh, there's no, it's not going to anything else. Uh, so if you want to be a part of this, I would encourage you to see Miss Marsha over there in the white sweater. Uh, she'll be out in the lobby after service, or you can just give her a text. There, her number is also there as well uh, to sign up for that. Men, we are doing our men's gathering, doing some uh, manly men talk. Yes, sir. <laughs> manly man talk will happen on January 6th. Uh, I know there's pancakes and bacon there, but we're actually going to Taqueria uh, Los Hermanos. It is the uh, tacos of the brothers. <laughs> we are going to have, a, and I, we just tried it out yesterday, and uh, it's a place that Oscar goes to frequently, and uh, it is some good eating. So I highly encourage you to come and join us. Uh, we will uh, eat like kings, and we will talk like men. So please join us. It's going to be a good time. I'm telling you, God has uh, wired us to carry the weight of things that we're going to call this church to be doing, where you're going to be leading your family in some of the stuff that Pastor Terry is, uh, is uh, going to be just talking about later on today and in the coming weeks. And so, men, let's, let us prepare ourselves now and do it together as brethren. So I'd encourage you to join us on January 6th. Would you uh, turn around and look for a face you don't recognize, you're not too familiar, and say, hey, what's your name? God bless you. Welcome to Calvary in the name of Jesus.
alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace, so
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you.
We're going to enter into a time of prayer. Before we do that, I would encourage you to do what you need to do to come before the Lord in a very real way. It is incredible that in all of our shortcomings and insufficiencies and times that we fail the Lord, He makes His throne room available for us. Because of what Christ accomplished on the cross for us, you are declared righteous. For those who are walking with God in saving faith, you are declared justified before God. And He is in not only invited, but has commanded for us to come before him in times of prayer. Not just to lift up petitions, but to commune with him. That our time spent with him would transform the content of our heart and would conform our will to his will. So I would encourage you just just this next moment before we start praying to do what you need to do to enter into into the presence of our Lord in that way being able to lift up clean hands and a pure heart. Would you bow with me? Father, you have blessed this church, this body of believers, in incredible ways these past decades. In the life of this church, many things have happened. In times that we thought that we might be as other churches if having to do something else that was a result of COVID or things like that. Lord, you remain faithful, saying, no, I have something I want to accomplish in this place. Father, I praise you for the insight you've given our pastors, giving them a time of self-reflection, giving them a vision with such clarity that it's promoted excitement within each of them. God, I pray that our hearts will be aligned with what you are doing in this place. Lord, that the passion that we have in living out a life that's glorifying and honoring to you would be increased. Lord, if Christ would just be magnified in our hearts. We would not only hear from you, we would we would be driven to follow you. God, if there be anything, there would be an obstruction between us and you. I pray we would lay that down in this moment. God, if there be any unforgiveness that we're harboring in our heart, would I pray, Father, we would view that in light of what all we've been forgiven. Recognize that we have no grounds to hold on to bitterness, but to choose to forgive Lord, if there be an area in our life that you stuck your finger on saying, I want this, and I've wanted this, and I've wanted this out. God, I pray that we would lay that down. As we're entering into this new year, God, I know that it is commonplace to take evaluation of our lives. But Lord, I pray we would not do that with human minds, that Lord, that your spirit would be the one that is guiding us through an evaluation of ourselves that we would be drawn closer to you that our relationship with you would be increased and religion would be cast aside that we would not be going through any motions of of a relationship with you 
but that relationship would be real and would be enriched all the more in this coming year. Father, you have called Calvary to do something very specific. And I know it can not only be on the shoulders of our pastors. God, you made it clear that it's our pastor's job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you have a very incredible plan for this place. Lord, I know the pastors are eager to share that, but God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts first. That before we join you in what you're doing, that Lord, that you would prepare ourselves to receive that. Joyfully taking these steps forward. God, as we hear from Pastor, Pastor Terry, not only today, but in the coming weeks, I pray, God, that our hearts would be fully opened, that our minds would understand, and that our passion would be renewed in a way that is so different than in times past. I pray for renewal, renewal in our hearts, not in the surface level, New Year resolution type of way, but fully, wholly, completely, transformation within us. Lord, you've even put your finger in areas of my own life. And I know in the lives of our pastors, saying, I want this to be different, to be conformed to my will. And God, it is a joyful journey to take that step. I pray, Father God, we would be like-minded in that way. And for those that you've brought to this place, hearing this maybe for the first time, that, God, that you would be speaking clearly in their lives as well, making it abundantly clear where you have called them to be. We love you, Lord. We pray these next few moments is a, a time dedicated to you in a very real way listening to you, not just being a hearer of your word, but finding out, finding a way to be a doer of what you share with us in your word. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you where we are, for where we are in the life of this church. There's exciting times coming up, Lord, and we praise you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Terry. morning. Can we give the worship team a, a round of applause? They do an awesome job. Thank you, Zeke. It's so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, it was great to visit with some of you that are new faces, uh, beautiful families that are here. For those of you that have little ones, I, I don't know whether it was mentioned, we have someone in the nursery if uh, you want to take them over there. My wife is there. She loves little kids. Uh, so, and if they're preschool, we've got someone in the uh, in the uh, other other room for the preschool kiddos. Some workers in there for them also. Uh, I want to say thanks for uh, those that uh, did such an awesome job on uh, Chris, with the Christmas Eve service, especially Pastor Zeke, and all those of you that volunteered with the cocoa and cookies. Um, I understand it was a great time. Uh, I, I thank you for allowing Melanie and I to be away from here that, that weekend. Uh, we had family that came in, um, and my birthday is on Christmas Eve. And so Pastor Zeke said, uh, oh, wow, great, you get two presents. I said, no, I get a present with two cards on it is what I get. 
So uh, it was a long time that I <clears throat> didn't really realize when my birthday was. My mom's birthday was on the 16th of December. And so we celebrated my birthday when I was much younger and her birthday at the same time. And it was later that I found out, nope, you're born on another day. So uh, but it was a blessing. It was a great time. Uh, as Pastor Zeke said, we are absolutely excited about 2024 and the opportunities uh, that God's going to place in front of this body and in front of each and every one of you as we move forward. So we're looking forward to that challenge as we realign our spirit with God's will and be centered on him and him alone. Uh, there'll be a, the goal in the coming months is to develop, to develop relationships not only among us here at, the, at Calvary, but relationships with the community and a better relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I believe God is interrupting this order or this chaos that we have in drawing his children to return to his perfect word. His word is perfect and it's relevant to all the issues that are around us, even though they seem so chaotic today. You see, he's the only answer to the issues that are around us. And so we're praying that each and every one of you will join us on this venture uh, this next year and these, these some Sundays coming up as we'll be breaking down Scripture in a little bit of a different way to draw your relationship closer to Jesus and to one another. One of the things that Pastor Zeke and I discussed during this last week was that uh, how we should all have a life scripture, as I referred to it as a walk scripture, a scripture that is instrumental in your relationship with Jesus. And some of you may have more than one. Some of you may have a whole chapter uh, that was very instrumental in you being called closer to the Lord. We want to unpack some of those. We want to encourage you to dig deeper into those. You know, sometimes we can read a verse, and as you will hear me say today, my walk scripture or life scripture was Isaiah 6, 8. And that verse in and of itself is really a cool verse where Isaiah is saying, here I am, Lord, send me. It's very profound. But it wasn't until God just really broke me and said, you know what, there's verses before that and there's verses after that. You need to understand what was going on around Isaiah. You need to understand what I called Isaiah to do. And so I believe that we each have that walk scripture or life scripture, whatever it may be. If you do not have a walk scripture, I encourage you to prayerfully deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he has a calling for each one of us to bring glory to his kingdom. Amen? So this Sunday, I want to share my walk scripture and the struggle that, that um, God had bringing me around to where I needed to be. And I, I want to tell you, it was, it was a fight. Uh, I, I don't know why we resist God as though we think we're going to win. Uh, it's just one of those losing battles. And it's so much easier if we're obedient to him and we don't make excuses uh, we don't say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, but I have a better idea, as though that we are God ourselves. So as I came back to this verse, and you'll understand in a little bit why I came back to it, 
It was because God was calling me to understand better what he wants, what, what he wanted me to do, although I thought I was doing a great job. Uh, you know what? And sometimes Satan will pat you on the back and tell you you're doing a great job for God. And your pride just gets bigger and bigger, and you get, you know, you become more about you over and over again. I want to tell you something, and I know this for a fact. God will break you. He will let you know that it's not about you. And that, as we see with Isaiah, can be painful. So will you pray with me and pray for me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto your sight. That you remove me from the equation that would be your message, Father. That you open our hearts, you open our minds, and Father, you do more than just have us listen to the words that you have to say this morning. Pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Isaiah 6. I'm going to begin in the fifth verse. Israel's in a lot of turmoil right now, and Isaiah says these words. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I am among, among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Wow, what a miracle there. You see, there's a necessary step before any true confession of sin is the understanding the glory and the power and the holiness of God Almighty. You see, he rules the heavens and the earth, and we can say that with our lips, but until we experience that, sometimes we have a very shallow understanding of that. You see, Isaiah had that experience, a very vivid and personal meeting that allowed him to recognize that God was the almighty king and ruler of the earth. It was a supernatural realm for Isaiah. But once Isaiah confessed his sinfulness and his need for deliverance, God reached out through that angel and brought atonement to him. You see, Isaiah did nothing to accomplish this. He did not offer a sacrifice. He did not promise to be a missionary. He didn't do anything to gain it. He had no power to save himself. This is an act of God's grace for us. Some of you may remember the movie The End with Burt Reynolds in it, and at the end of that movie where someone is trying to kill him, Burt Reynolds decides that he needs the Lord. And so as he first was thinking about suicide, as he jumped into the ocean, he's now realizing he wants to be alive, and so he's asking God, God, if you'll get me back to land, I'll give you everything that I earn. And as he got closer, he said, God, if you just get me to the shore, I'll give you 50% of what I earn. And as he's crawling up on the beach, he said, God, I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to give you some stuff that I earn. And about that time, someone else comes on to the, the beach and begins to chase Burt Reynolds again, trying to kill him. And Burt Reynolds in the movie ends with him going, God, if you'll just get me away from this guy, I'll give you everything that I earn. You see, God doesn't make deals. 
And lip service to God doesn't change much. You see, Isaiah saw this more clearly and more aware that his own powerlessness and inadequacy had nothing to do with God's everlasting love. But he still was willing to be a spokesman. You see, there was nothing magical about these coals. Just like when people are baptized, there's nothing magical about that water. Rather, they figuratively represent the miraculous accomplishment of God's gracious purification and forgiveness. The guilt will no longer keep Isaiah from God's presence because he's been forgiven. The atonement means that God's wrath and the sin that motivated it were satisfied and taken away, making renewed fellowship possible. The experience that Isaiah had indicates that there, are, there is any true believer can identify your sin, admit it, and then recognize that God, through the true confession, can remove it, is available to you. You see, we depend upon God's mercy, but often we don't perceive the holiness of God. We do not acknowledge the power of God, who's the God of all creation. We acknowledge that. We say that with our lips. He's a sovereign God. But do we live that with our lives? You see, we need to honestly evaluate ourselves in the life that we are living today. If we're truly understood who God is and what our place is in his will, we will repent much quicker. So let me go on with him and my poor pitiful story here. Move to Isaiah 6.8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? <coughs> Excuse me. And whom will go for us? And he said, Here am I. Send me. <coughs> you see, in my life, my life was going really well. Uh, I had been on the police department for a few years. Uh, my partner... I had the same partner for 35 years in the police department. We had transferred into the training academy. We had begun, begun tactical training that was so, so needed in our department. And we became very good at what we were doing. But you see, we first had to establish ourselves with those officers that had been on much longer than I had been on and been in situations different than some of the situations I'd been in. But policemen are probably, well, maybe not the worst group to try to train. Kindergartners are pretty tough. (laughs) But policemen are close. And seniors their last semester in high school are almost impossible to teach. But policemen are the same way. If you haven't walked in their shoes, if they don't trust you, if they don't believe that you know exactly what you're talking about, if you have not lived this life out, they don't really care whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief, or who you are. They don't want to listen to you. They want to know that you understand what they're going through. And so that was a struggle for my partner and I as we began. We had to establish that relationship with these guys. And we did. And we got very good at what we did. And not only did we teach in our department, but we taught across the state and across this country. We taught in other countries. And, man, did I decide that I was really good at this. 
And little did I know that what we were teaching these guys was from God. You see, God blesses those that are called into law enforcement, who stand as Isaiah says, send me. Those are the men and women that go, you know what? Other people are more important than me. And they stand in the gap. And so when we started getting phone calls, what you guys taught saved my partner and my bacon the other night. What you guys taught made a huge difference in the scenario that we were in. And you know what? We decided we were really good. Man, when we made it on Good Morning America, we knew we were almost rock stars. We were really good. Well, you know what? As you're going to hear in a little bit, God's got to break us. We have to realize our sin, admit it. And then sometimes he does that with a painful understanding as to who he is. So we'll finish the story as, as we go through the rest of this. Let's turn to the ninth verse now, Isaiah 6. Listen to this assignment he gives Isaiah. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the hearts of these people collapsed, Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That is absolutely confusing. But yet this message is from the divine counsel because he says, go for us. Who will stand in the gap for us? You know, this appearance of this divine counsel appears in scripture so often you can look in first kings 22nd chapter you can look in job you can look in the 29th psalm you can look at jeremiah 23 you can look and see that god is trying to guide us in the right direction so going down to verse 11 now isaiah 6 11 then i said for how long O lord And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitation, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. But as the terabith and the oak leaves stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump of that land. So when would the people listen? Only after they had come to the end and where they believed they had no place else to turn but to God. How often do we do that? How often do we try to fix things? How often do we take credit for things and we realize we're wrong and we see that there is power far greater than we can understand. You see, when we obey God, we often avoid some of the calamities that follow because of our disobedience or our pride, our arrogance. When we are slow to respond and we ignore God, we face a painful correction. 
So for so long as we were doing so well, God brought me to a place where I had a doctor tell me this, this illness you have here, this is probably going to kill you. I got mad at God. And I, I mean, in my police career, I'd been mad at God several times. I was mad at God, the first officer that, uh, in a scenario we were involved in, was killed in the line of duty. I got mad at God for that. I got mad at God. Why are you doing this to me, God? I'm going to church. I, I, I'm in the leadership role at the church I'm at. We've, our youngest son is born. He's probably two or three at this time. And why are you doing this? And you know, like God told Job, I'm sorry, who are you again? God needed my attention because he needed to bring to reality what we had been doing and why we had been doing it and why we're so successful at it and what he needed me to do again. Yeah, he had put us in front of an audience, not like Isaiah's, but quite similar, those that didn't want to listen. But there were those that seed that was there, that remnant that was there that paid attention and listened and were thankful that they had heard that. But yet, I believe we needed the credit. So we need to prayerfully consider what God is telling you before time runs out. I encourage you to read the 12th chapter of Hebrews. You know it has warnings in it, yet it brings rejoicing when we obey God healed me of that illness. And he did it through the voice of my son. Suddenly, epiphany came about as an epiphany that came to Isaiah once he realized how powerless he was. As I was going through the treatments, my little boy wrapped his arms around me and said, Daddy, it's okay. I will hold you. And suddenly my anger was gone. A guy that didn't want to pray for himself and told his wife, don't have anybody pray for me. I don't need any help. In fact, I don't want anybody to know about this. I don't even want the rest of the family to know about it. Realized how powerless I was. The funny part was when I told Melanie, my bride, I said, you know what? I I want you to Tell those people to start praying for me. She said, I already did. I said, I thought I was very clear that I told you not to do that. You know, the words that she, that she said to me still ring in my head. When I told her I didn't want anybody to know, she said, I understand. She did not say, I will not tell anybody. She said, I understand. Because you see, she answered to a higher authority. Even though the Bible says, wives, you should obey your husbands. Should be a little parenthesis there, except when they're acting like idiots. You can see my wife's back in the sanctuary now. 
you know, like I said, while not the same audience that Isaiah had in the beginning, we did feel like we weren't being heard. And yet God knew that each lesson that was needed to be told would be heard by those that wanted to learn, those that wanted to make a change. It was that remnant that God spoke of. You know, the charge that Isaiah received was to dull the ears and the eyes of the people with unclean lips. God was preparing these people to listen constantly to his words. Even though many would never comprehend or apply them, there were lives out there that need to be encouraged. You know, it sounds a little bit like the same warning that God gave Ezekiel when his audience was rebellious, stubborn, hard-headed, and weren't willing to listen or obey. God warned Isaiah that there would be no positive results because the people were refusing to follow God. God has decided to punish these people. It was past time for repentance. The time of judgment was at hand. You see, the people had time to repent in the past, and now God was judging them for their sin. God plans to punish rather than... God would rather heal rather than punish but it's not that God does not want to grant mercy and grace but he does but you know what we have free will and we choose our own path and so often we do not want to own that can you imagine what could be going through Isaiah's head when God says these words to him that, not, you know, they're going to be punished. There's not going to be anything left in this land. And it's like, God, why am I going out there then? Why am I doing this? Because I've asked you to do it. Because I've told you to do it. Because it needs to be done. How often do we say, God, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Just tell me what it is. And when he says, I need you to go to Ethiopia to be a missionary. Okay, God, that's a great idea. Let me see if I can find somebody to go do that for you. So often we make it about us. There were those that did listen to Isaiah. While most hearts were hardened, because they were beyond repentance, God's patience had run out with this rebellious group. You see, it was even exhausting to God. His judgment was to abandon them and their rebellion and harden their hearts. This happens when we, of our own free will, decide, to de- decide about sin. How often have you said, oh, that's just a little sin? Nobody's going to know about that. Or you're like one of the NBA referees, you know, no harm, no foul. Nobody got hurt. Well, I don't need to say anything. They're not going to remember this. I didn't like them anyway. We have excuses of why we don't seek repentance. Or we even go as far as say, you know, I said I'm sorry. And we want to move on. That's not repentance in God's eyes. So why did God send Isaiah if the people weren't going to listen? And again, as I said, there was a remnant, there was a holy seed there that God knew that there was some people that were going to listen. 
God is revealed in a marvelous and mysterious way in this passage. You see, his holiness and glory are awesome, beyond our comprehension. Yet a veiled perception that is available is clear enough to require each person to respond to God. So from this passage, I concluded several things, and I want to list some of them for you. First of all, that the servants of the Holy King, we are called to worship God and praise him with the heavenly host. We are called to worship him and praise him at all times. In every little thing, realize that he is in control of all things. Secondly, we are to repent of, excuse me, repent of our daily sins so that we can be in his presence. Because with a sin that we have not repented from, we are not in his presence. Read Isaiah again. God gets exhausted with our constant sins. And thirdly, we need to listen. We need to serve God. We need to be obedient to him and follow his will. That is so much easier said than done. We are a generation or generations of people that are too busy, too focused on self to be obedient to God. You know, God, that's a great idea. I know you want me to do it Wednesday, but uh, I'm busy this week, so how about if I get to it on Saturday? That is not what God asked. And it's a struggle. But he loves us that much. Fourthly, we need to speak the message God gives us. Listen very carefully to this. We need to speak the message he gives us regardless of its popularity or its severity. While it may cause some to harden their hearts for destruction, you have spoken the truth. And you leave the next step up to God. There's a lot of chaos in this world right now, and there's a lot of things that are controversial, and there's a lot of things that we just want to ignore or be apathetic to because we don't want to get into an argument with somebody. But if the Bible says something is wrong, it is wrong. We need to stand on that truth and the promises that God has for us. And the last thing is we need to give hope or encouragement in the time of hopelessness. Hopelessness, and my gosh, has there ever been a better time to encourage people than now? The doctrine of hardening people's hearts is controversial. Its perspective seems inappropriate to preach. Yet if you get a chance, read the first chapter of Romans, beginning in the 18th verse, going through the 32nd verse. It speaks of similar situations in which people knew the truth of God's revelation, but they refused to follow it. We must get back to the basics that we have an opportunity to experience God and to help him grow his kingdom on this earth. It's about following his will for each life, each day. So as we are sitting here today, are the days that we are in now similar to those that Isaiah had in his day? So the question is, will we be the holy seed? Will we be the remnant that God uses? 
we should gain encouragement from God's promise to preserve his people. If we are faithful to him, we can be assured of his mercy. Seeing the Lord and listening to the praise of angels, Isaiah realized that he had sinned with no real hope of measuring up to God's holy standard. But when his lips were touched with a living burning coal, he was told that his sins were forgiven. Again, it was not the coals that cleansed him, but God's, but God himself. In response, Isaiah submitted himself entirely to God's service. This painful cleansing process was necessary before he could fulfill the task that God had before him. Letting God purify us can be painful. But we must be purified so that we can truly represent God who is pure and holy. You see, Isaiah in the beginning didn't know the mission that God had designed for him. He didn't know the length or responsibility. He didn't know the difficulty of the task ahead. Nevertheless, Isaiah immediately said, pick me. I'll do it. I constantly get to speak to law enforcement officers and I tell them, you know what, this is a calling that you have. It is more than a profession. The same thing with firefighters that run into a burning building like it's their house. We need to stand in the gap for God Almighty. For those that have no hope right now. For those that are so concerned with all the chaos that's around them, we need to be the words of encouragement. We can't be like Moses, who lays out all these excuses, like I did. I had, man, I made Moses look really wimpy with all the excuses I threw out. We need to step up. You see, I didn't understand God's big picture. I didn't understand that the words that we spoke, the tactics that we taught, was his desire to protect these men and women. It was him at work all the, all the time. I didn't understand the next step that he had, nor did I need to know the next step. Zeke, if you want to come up. I'll share this last story. Our youngest son is a police officer with HPD. He works out at Westside in the gang unit out there. He was leaving the station the other day, and as he was walking out, he was walking with, as he described, an old head. Uh, the guy had been on maybe almost 20 years. And he was complaining about the morale in the department. And he said, you know, it didn't used to be this way. Uh, our training was better. The morale was better. And Tyler said, you know, you must have came through when those two guys with mustaches that were comedians that did the training. And he said, who? He said, Bratton and Connolly. He said, oh, you know them? He goes, yeah, Terry's my old man. And he said, I got to tell you this. He says, in my career here, I've been in more than one shooting. And each time your dad came out, the first words he said to me weren't questions about the shooting. The first thing he said, are you okay? And he said that meant so much to me because I realized that I wasn't going through this by myself. 
You see, that's what God wants us to do to those that are hopeless out there right now. To those that don't know the Lord. And for each of us that want to know him and experience him at a deeper level. We need to be encouraging each other. That's why he gives us a walk scripture or a life scripture. So, as I wrap up, it's not what you hear today. I hope you've done more than listen. But it's not what you hear today. (coughs) Excuse me. But how you respond to what he said to you in your heart. I want to tell you something. If you're more concerned about who the next president's going to be, or if you're more concerned about what the economy is going to be, that's your fear, and your fear is not of God Almighty and what he wants you to do. Then you need to stay with us over the next several weeks. We want to deepen that relationship. We want to understand at a different level, at a more deep level, the power and the holiness of God Almighty and how much he loves each and every one of you. Amen? message, my hope is that it struck a chord with you in a, in a clear way, because we're going to enter into a new time for in the life of this church. Like Pastor Terry's story, transformation in our lives can sometimes be a little painful. Refinement takes place by precious, gold, silver, and precious stones refined through fire. Uh, I heard a very wise man of the, of the faith speak on this uh, very briefly, saying faith really doesn't have a chance to be strengthened until the situation is out of your control. When, when, the, when you no longer can implement your own will into that which you're trying to accomplish and have to rely on the Lord, that's when faith has a chance to operate. We are letting faith operate in the life of this church. Sometimes transformation can be a little bit painful, but just as Hebrews 12 says, those who are trained by it, in the end, it produces the faithful fruit of righteousness. And so we're going to, it's going to be a, the very first step for us is going to be a return to basics. We're going to be returning to basics in a very special way. Now, if you've been walking with the Lord and are a student of God's word, I don't want you to think that, well, I already know the basics of, of the faith. I already know the basics about my relationship with the Lord. I can tell you, I, I had the same thoughts. You know, when my, when my dad passed away, I used to think I knew everything about my dad. When my dad and my mom, they split when I was seven years old. And I made a lot of assumptions about who my dad was. I didn't even know if my dad really loved me. In, in the course of my preparation for his funeral, I got to read some of the letters. I knew he wrote me letters when I was a kid. And my mom, she saved them all. And she gave me all those letters back. And I started reading through them, and guys, I can't tell you how much tears came flowing from my face. I was like, wow, my dad really did love me. He just didn't know how to express it. He's a broken man just like anybody else in this room. He really did love me. I remember just reading that, returning to some familiar words. I've read those letters before, but with a very different perspective of who my dad was. 
Now, our Heavenly Father is not like any earthly father. He is not broken. And He is faithful, even when we are faithless. And we're going to return to our basics and our hope with a lens that brings us closer to a right relationship with Him, which is going to be what's so needed for this next step in, our, in the course of our life, in the course of the life of this church. God has called us to do something very specific in a very uh, incredible way. I don't want to speak too cryptic on this, but I'll tell you just a little bit. God has strategically placed us in an incredible uh, location in the heart of, of Kingwood. You know that we have at least three brand new communities that God has, uh, that has been built around this place in the last two years, two and a half years. God has put pressure on the hearts on the on the press on the hearts of the pastors. What are you doing for heaven's sake in the place that I've put you? Blossom where God has planted you has been a a reoccurring mantra in the in the hearts of our pastors. Blossom where he has planted you. There is a reason why you're here. There is a reason why God has built this place. There is a reason why you work where you work, where you live where you live. We are going to bring the kingdom of God to the places that he has planted you in a very real way. And it's going to start with us getting back to basics. So we have a foundation that is firm strong that can be built upon in the coming years. And I hope that you would join us. I'm telling you, there is not a more joyful place in the world to be than in the will of God. And God has made his will abundantly clear to Pastor Terry and Pastor Mark. You have incredible leaders that are part of this church. And I'm, I'm eager to follow in step with what God is doing in them and through them. And so I hope that you would join us. If you are brand new to this church, you've come at a great time. You've come at a time where God is doing incredible things here, and I'm eager for you to see it. Continue coming on Sunday mornings. Let this be a gathering that you are faithful to, not just because it's something we're supposed to be doing. Yes, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Yes, that is a command. I want us to go even beyond that, understanding the heart behind that command. There is refinement that is going to take place as we dig into God's word in this way. So very eager for us to do that together as a faith family. Would you pray? We're going to end in a benediction here. I'm just going to pray, and we're going to be dismissed, okay? Father, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for Pastor Terry and for Pastor Mark and the time that uh, we got to spend together and you revealing to to them the, uh, the course of your will for this place. Well, we know that your son Christ did not die for a building. He died for the people who would be right standing with you through saving faith. Well, this body of believers, our brothers and sisters that we're sitting next to. God, you didn't, we are a small church. A small church with no flashy bells and whistles because we desire to live a life that is, um, that is honed in on you. The focus is on you. Lord, I praise you, Lord, that even though we're small, that we have examples in your word that you've done amazing things that change the world through few people. God, I pray our hearts would be aligned, not just with each other, but with you. God, in the coming year, as specifics begin to be rolled out, I pray, God, that we would take these things with joy 
with grace, with mercy. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard to change. Sometimes it's hard to make adjustments and to shift course. But, Lord, when it's you that is leading, it is a joyful journey to take those steps, even if it's in a completely different direction, if it's led by you and confirmed in your word, not by the minds of men, but if confirmed in your inspired word, those can be joyful and exciting steps in that direction. I pray, God, that we would be sensitive to the guidance of your, of your spirit dwelling within the li- lives of those who belong to you. And God, if there be anybody, any in this room, they do not have a love relationship with you. They may have a commitment to good morals, to religious values. I pray, God, that we would recognize that that's not what makes us right with you. We can do nothing that can earn us salvation and a restored relationship with you. We can do nothing but lean on the accomplishments of Christ and what he did on our behalf. If you're in this room, understand that sin has separated us from God. But God did not intend for you to be separated from him. If you're in this room and you have not been walking with the Lord and saving faith, here's what I mean by that. Just in the quietness of your own heart, just consider these words. God, do I follow you with my life? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. He's not saying, since you say you love me and have joined this club, I want you to start doing these things and stop doing these things. No. He said, if you love me, the byproduct of that is that you follow me. You walk with me. You obey me. You hear me. Jesus made an accusation to the religious leaders of his time. He says, the reason why you do not hear from God is because you are not of God. He says, my children, hear my voice. Listen, if that's you, God did not intend for you to continue in this way. In the quietness of your own heart, as you're sitting in that chair, if you say, God, that needs to be me. I need to have a relationship with you. I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to pretend that I have something that I don't. I want to stop trying to earn that which I'm hoping for. I know I can't. I know it's only by grace that I can be made right with you. You can say, Father, I know it's my sin that separates me from you, but I don't want to be separated from you anymore. God, I know what Jesus accomplished on that cross through his death, through his burial, through you raising him from the dead, is what it took for me to not only be forgiven, but have a restored relationship with you, and that's what I want. I don't want to wonder if I belong to you or not. I I surrender myself over to you, fully and wholly, asking you to be the Lord of my life, today and forever. God, please save me. Listen, if you prayed that with me for the first time, I have. If you ever said, "God, God, I get it. This is the first time I'm doing this. I'm walking. I'm walking forward in faith." from this day forward, and I need you. To, I need your help. If that's you, I have something for you. Before you leave, there's some people right behind you sitting in chairs. They, they have been praying for us throughout this entire service. And every week, they're going to be sitting behind you in those four chairs. 
waiting for anyone who needs prayer. Just go to them, and they will pray for you right here, right now. If you prayed that pray, pray with me today and say, God, I want, to be, I want you to be the Lord of my life through saving faith in your son Christ. And I want to move forward in enriching that relationship with the rest of this church. I have a gift for you. I want to give you something, okay? If that's you, before you leave, as we dismiss, I want you to come and, uh, and meet these, the, these ladies and this gentleman uh, behind you. Just wait with them. I'm going to come back into this room with a gift for you, okay? Father, we love you. We thank you for those who have answered your call. Maybe some even for the first time this morning, but for the rest of us, I pray, God, that we would answer your call in this new direction that you've called us to. Not a a new direction in, in the sense of what you've called all believers to do. A return. A return and a, with a new lens, the basics, that would actively affect the community that you've placed us in. We love you, Father. We praise you. And we thank you for the opportunity you give us to make your name famous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed weekend.